This is your boy, Webby Webb, and you're now tuned in to the Talk It Up Sports Podcast, where the talk is important. What's good, everybody? Webby Webb here, uh, Talk It Up Sports at the Ball Sports Network. My guy, Jeff Lighty Jr., and you already know what time it is. But uh, NBA, NFL, and we got some college football talk. But, Jeff, let's go ahead and get right into it. I mean, the NBA is – we're still in the bubble, of course, but I mean the playoffs is in full swing. So playoffs, yeah, play, playoffs, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and some teams are they they balling, they balling, man, and yeah, yeah, man. Uh, like you said, playoffs brings out a different animal. Uh, it, it brings out the intensity because now it's winter go home. I mean, the bubble in some circumstance, it was winter going home for a few teams like the Blazers, Memphis, uh, Phoenix, you know, but pretty much. The playoffs, everything else was set for the teams that were already locked up their playoff spot. It was really about seeding, but in the end, seeding didn't matter because there was no home court advantage, right? So now we're in the playoffs. It's the bubble. It's a different different atmosphere for a lot of teams, and it's a play because well for everybody. It's a different atmosphere for everybody, especially those teams that have never been to the playoffs before, like or the you know haven't been to the playoffs in a long time. Or that's in the playoffs when it's a completely different team, like the Clippers. You know, the Dallas Mavericks are different. You know, the, the Nuggets are have a different team or some new stars. Uh, Utah's got a guy that's just going crazy and Mr. Donovan Mitchell. So, man, it's great to see playoff basketball. We have seen some great games so far, and we hope to see some even better games moving forward. So Jeff, you know you 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 hit you hit it right on the bullseye. Donovan Mitchell, let's not we yeah. can't even ignore it. Fifty-seven points. The man went off. Like you know, the yeah. man went off. But they lost. You know, so yes. I mean, it was an <laughs> overtime game. You know, Denver Denver won one thirty-five to one twenty-five. But let's talk about that performance. Like I mean, dude was balling. I mean, it, it seems like you know things were were hitting on all cylinders. But it was just like, why couldn't? Utah kind of get over that push? Is it just because they're, they're young, or do you feel like it's just that they ain't got it yet, you know? Well, well, Denver just has a better team. I mean, we're just going to be honest. Denver has studs across the board on their team. I mean, we're talking about Jokic. Paul Millsap is a former all-star. Jamal Murray is a rising star. Mr. Michael Porter Jr., who was the number one player in high school yeah. just a dog. couple years ago, is a dog. So, like, we they have a bunch of guys – that can go out and get you a bucket. I mean, I'm looking at the stat line. Jamal Murray had 36 and Jokic had 29. You got 19 off the bench from Jermaine Grant. You know, Michael Porter didn't have his best game, but he still chipped in 13. They just have better players than Utah. But Mr. Donovan Mitchell with 57 points. Mark, did you know that there's only been two players in the history of the NBA to have more than 57 points in one game? Is Elgin Baylor back in like 62 uh-huh. and, and Michael Jordan in the 80s? And Donovan Mitchell now is the third highest playoff game ever in the history of the NBA, ever, 57. And, it came, and it's unfortunate it came in a loss. Michael Jordan's also came in a loss to Larry Bird and the Celtics back in the 80s. But um, I don't know, man. It, I just really wish that Donovan had more over there in Utah. It's unfortunate for him that he's got guys that are good players. Rudy Gobert's a good player. Joe Ingles is a good player. But that's not going to win you a championship, and that's what it comes down to. And unfortunate for a lot of great young players, whether it's him or Devin Booker or just pick your favorite young guy, most of those guys are on teams, not necessarily that are bad, but that aren't going to contend for a championship. And, and when you can put up great performances, like a 57-point performance, uh, sometimes it still ultimately ends in a loss. Yeah, and like, but like I said, you said Denver is – 
Denver's definitely a team that's like the, you, you have to keep your eye out on because you just don't know what to expect from them. I mean, you saw last season um, how that ended. But, I mean, it's just the bubble is creating different beasts. And, like, that's just one thing we have to look at. I know we talked a little bit about Denver and Jazz, but let's talk about other matchups, the Celtics versus uh, 76ers. Celtics were, you know, when they were able to win 109 to 101. But, obviously – Ben Simmons is missing, and that is their key piece for 76ers, man. Like, it's it's kind of tough to watch, man. Yeah, without Ben Simmons, the Sixers aren't going to last very long in the playoffs. But here's the thing about the Sixers. They're, they weren't even good, really, or weren't looking good when Simmons was there, when him and Embiid. I don't think at the Embiid – trust the process is over. Like, like that experiment is – It's over. blow it up, man. Yeah. Because Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, they're not working, man. They just they just don't work for whatever reason. These are two extremely talented basketball players just in, as individual talents. But I think Ben Simmons' lack of growth, like his game has not grown in four years. Ben Simmons has been in the league four years, and he still – he has not improved at all at anything. Like he came in with great court vision. He came in being able to handle the ball pretty well. But he, but he couldn't shoot, like, a lick. Like, not at all. Like, not yeah. – and we're four years later. He still has great court vision, you know. He still <laughs> – he still yeah. is able – a big guard with good handles. But he still can't shoot. And now you add the fact that he's injury prone. Like, yeah. what, what can you do for me, Ben? Like, yes, you are extremely talented. Like, all pure talent, one of the most talented players in the NBA. But his lack of, of ability even attempt to shoot is just hindering the Celtic – I mean, hindering the 76ers and they're not going to be able to develop or grow as a team as long as he's playing the way he's playing. And now you add the fact that he's injury prone. Like, he's been getting hurt a lot recently. Like, if you look at Ben Simmons, he's been getting injured a lot. And that doesn't bode well for the future of the 76ers. So that's why I think they're going to have to blow up this team and get rid of uh, Ben or Joel Embiid, one of the two. Well, the thing, the thing is, well, specifically for this series, they kind of – they are probably hoping in that – you know, Gordon Hayward, who suffered, you know, who was who left the game on crutches, you know, helped off the uh, help off the court. Um, he suffered, you know, an apparent injury, which is still, you know, kind of under investigation. So I'm sure the uh, Celtics are going to be looking for Jason Tatum to kind of step up. I mean, he had 32 last night. So it's yeah. one of those things where, like, if he's balling, they're going to be balling. But I just think Philly, they just – they're missing something. And it's just – they're missing a, a key player that's just going to – be able to get them to the next level. I mean, like you said, trust the process. I mean, damn, how long are we going to trust the process, you know? <laughs> so it's like, what, what is – I just don't understand, like, how you can keep embedding that. And like you said, folks ain't going to keep riding with that, let's trust the process, because yeah. if you want to trust the process, you need to leave. You feel me? Like, you need to, yeah, you need to or, get or win some there. games. You know what I mean? Or win some significant games yeah. or improve on your game. Joel Embiid has established his stuff. Not as just only one of the best big men in the league, but just one of the best players, right? And, and that's the leap people were expecting from Ben Simmons. And the fact that Embiid is there and, and Simmons isn't, and Embiid came in as the one that was injury prone, right? He seems to have been staying healthy for the most part, but his game, his game has continued to develop and take steps every year. But it's Ben Simmons that I can't get over because coming out of college, Ben Simmons is one of the most talented players. A lot of people thought they had seen it in a long time. And the fact that he hasn't been able to – that was like, oh, he'll develop that jump shot. Like, what Giannis is doing is what people thought Ben Simmons would be doing. I mean, let's be honest. Like, when he was coming out of LSU, they thought he could be whatever – what Giannis is right now, they thought that was going to be him. 
and a guy that was able to do everything Giannis can do and pass the ball and with the handle. But he hasn't been that level of dominant. And that is what's, that's what's so unfortunate for the 76ers. So will they get swept? Oh, will they get swept? Will they get swept? Uh, I, I would hope. I don't think so. Especially with Gordon Hayward going out. I think they'll sneak in a game or two, but it won't be a competitive series. Like, I think the, the Celtics will go on to win four games, to four to one, four to two, something like that. But it won't be as competitive as it'll even look, simply because um, I think Philly's just ready to go home, man. I think Philly, they, they have played lackadaisical. They play like they didn't want to be in the bubble. And, and Boston's going to end their misery and go ahead and send them home. In their misery, I like to hear that. I mean, that's just, that's just flat out the answer that some people, well, actually some Philly fans might not want to hear. But, I mean, yeah. so that was kind of Monday's game. Any other Monday game that kind of like you want to talk about briefly, you know, before we, you know, highlight Tuesday's upcoming game? Well, the, the Toronto Raptors, you man, that, I mean, the team that a lot of people think are the, the team that could beat the Bucks in the East or in the Eastern Conference Finals or something like that. They continue to play well. They had a big win over Brooklyn. And Toronto continues to show, you know, why they are going to be a load, right? Like, why they're going to be – they are – Nick Nurse is probably going to win Coach of the Year. And the reason is because his team never dropped off. Like, yeah, obviously they lost Kawhi Leonard. But the fact that they played this well for this long over the duration of the season and even in the bubble, you know, they didn't really have much to play for. But they came in, still played hard, won a lot of their games, and they continued their winning ways in their first game of the playoffs. And so I, I'm, I'm excited to see what the Toronto Raptors are going to be able to do throughout the rest of the playoffs. I mean, they got to have some respect. I mean, you get defending champ, you have to give them some respect, right? Yeah. So, I mean, even though Milwaukee might be the clear cut to come out of the East, I mean, Toronto's like, hey, you got you to gotta go through the defending champs to be able to, to do that. And I believe, although – Although it was, you know, um, the Nets, it, it's, it's just, it's just a, a way of, like, thinking, like, I don't know. You know, it's kind of like you – you, it's just like a hit or miss, and you have to see how they do, you know? Yeah, yeah, and it was just business as usual for the Raptors, and that's why, that's why it's, like, encouraging to see them to continue to play. And a lot of people think uh, the Greek freak and the Bucks are just going to, you know, sleepwalk their way to the finals, but the Raptors are going to have something to say about that. They're going to be a team to continue to watch throughout the playoffs, and I think they're going to give the a Bucks a run for their money. So as we look on to, you know, Tuesday's matchups, we got some, we got some high mark games. I, it's some really interesting games. I mean, you got series starting out with the Heat Pacers. You know, you got the Magic Bucks. That, we clearly know how that's going to go. <laughs> but then you got yeah. the Thunder Rockets. <laughs> Thunder Rockets. But then the, the series that really everyone is kind of focusing on, the Trailblazers versus the Lakers. Jeff, what you, I see you kind of smiling right there. I mean, we've seen what, what the Trailblazers have done, but we also know what LeBron James is capable of, and he, we know how he shuts all parties down when he gets in front of them. So what, what are you kind of looking forward to the most as far as Tuesday matchups? And I kind of tell you what I'm looking forward to. Well, the game that I really want to see is the Thunder Rockets. To me, that's the most intriguing series. Why? Because there's no Westbrook. It looks like Russell Westbrook with his quad injury, he's going to miss the whole first round. And the Thunder have quietly been the best story, or one of the best stories in the entire NBA, the resurgence of Chris Paul. Now, Chris Paul never really went anywhere, but the fact that this year he has proven why he is one of the best players still in the NBA, that the fact that he was able to get the OKC Thunder, a team that lost Paul George, a team that lost Russell Westbrook, 
to the fifth seed in the NBA playoffs. It's just remarkable. Congrats, you know, shout out to Chris Paul. Shout yeah. out to uh, Billy Donovan, uh, Dennis Schroeder, uh, uh, Shea uh, Gilgis-Alexander, and the rest of the guys, Stephen Adams, and the guys on the OKC Thunder because nobody saw them, not, not just – not just being a fifty, nobody saw them making the playoffs, Mark. Yeah. Like, like nobody. I think I read, I read something like their first, their opening night, opening night. It said ESPN BPI, which is whatever statistic ESPN does, gave them a zero point two percent chance of making the playoffs. That's Not a zero point two percent chance of being a fifty, a zero point two percent chance of making the playoffs. And so the fact that they're in the position to play James Harden and the Rockets in the first round. I mean, I think they could pull off an upset in game one. I don't think they'll win the series, but game one, don't be surprised if Chris Paul and the OKC Thunder pull off that upset and win game one in the bubble. I just think, man, I think James Harden, you know, he's just a different beast, you know. despite I just think despite what the statistics say, I just think that James Harden and company will be ready and have to respond respond accordingly, as they say. I mean, there's really no home court advantage. It's really who's been balling, who's not. Like, are you able to strap your shoes up like some like Mike type stuff and get to business? And I believe yeah. they're <laughs> capable of that, you know, definitely James Harden and, you know, and company. I mean, I just think that James Harden is just a different type of beast. But slowly, though, believe me, slowly but surely, the Thunder, they, they have a different type of style. You know, they have a, a good, you know, chemistry going. So they have a team you kind of have to look at, but – if we really like, if we have to break it down, and if I have to put my money on the line, I'm just gonna take James Harden. No, that's just gonna take Harden. Yeah, I'm just gonna take despite, <laughs> it's not a bad bit. <laughs> you know, you, you see what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, not 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 just not to not credit how you know the Thunder have put this you know tremendous run on, and um and was able to actually make the playoffs. But I think James Harden, this could be this could be a, a you know we just we might need to watch James Harden, but you know without West, Westbrook, so. We'll just have to see, man. We'll it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. What about you? What's that matchup you're looking forward to? Oh, I think you already know, man. I think <laughs> it's, it's the Lakers versus Trailblazers, you know. And I just – the reason why I'm looking forward to most is because I know the Lakers are going to handle business accordingly. But I think the Trailblazers, they have – like I said, they have nothing to lose. Like, they're playing for every – they're playing – they're playing just to, you know, they're playing to show people like, hey – we need to be like we're meant to be here. Like as Dame even said, like he told reporters back a while ago, like we get in, we're gonna try to make some noise. So I think that series is really interesting because not only the backcourt play, you know, who's gonna be able to, you know, control Dame, but Dame getting 65 a night, that's not gonna help them win the series, you know, period point blank. Mm-hmm. So but I, I do like how um, they're able to involve guys like Melo and McCollum's like CJ, like that. I mean, they have a squad, you know, but yeah, will the Lakers be able to – okay, this is my question for you now. Will the Lakers be able to um, slow down Dame and really just control the game in period? Well, the thing is, first of all, Dame's not going to average 65 tonight. Like, how would you say that? He ain't going to average that 40 that he's been averaging. Oh, he no, he's not gonna average forty. So, average so Jeff Lexi Jr. Dame, so Dame is not gonna get forty. I'm saying he's not gonna average. Okay. I'm saying over a course of a four to seven yeah. game series, they average forty points a game. He's at he was at 20, thirty seven or 
37 and some change in the bubble. And then those last four games, I think he was over 40. Like, uh, the, those last, like, four must-win games, he, he uh, averaged – he had a 50-point game, a 60-point game, a 42-point game. Like, the last three games, rather. Yeah. So, here's the thing. Whether the Lakers can stop Damian Lillard or not, honestly, doesn't even matter. Dame can go out there and average 50 points, right, like he has been, and they could still lose because the Blazers play the worst defense I've ever seen in the NBA. Uh, they're giving up 130 points, 140 points, all these points to teams like Brooklyn. I mean, they were literally – they had to beat Brooklyn, and they still were one missed shot by Karis LeVert away from going home. Like, they like that, they were that close. And then they go and play John Morant and the Grizzlies, and I love John Morant, and he had 37. They couldn't stop Ja. Like, and, and, and Dame and CJ kind of got off. CJ finally got back on track. He's been hurt. But Portland plays terrible defense. They can score with anybody. Like, they can put up a bunch of points, but if you can't defend, and then they are probably one of the worst teams to try to defend a LeBron. Who's going to guard LeBron? Carmelo? Like, you know, in a pick and roll, you're going to switch CJ or Damian Lillard onto LeBron? And then Yerk, no, what is it, Yerkich? It's got to go to Anthony Davis, him or Hassan Whiteside. Like, I don't like that matchup for the Portland either. And so that's why I think LeBron and, and AD, I think they get, they will, you know, fine-tune their way up against Portland, get things back on track, and they'll gentleman sweep. That means five games. That's a gentleman sweep. I'll let you get a game in there. But five games, they'll do away with Portland. I'm not too worried about the Blazers. People saying that they think Portland – is going to upset the Lakers. They don't know basketball. No, you just don't know basketball. If you think you, you think they the lose the hell, they, they think yeah. that's happen. They don't have a <laughs> snowball's chance in hill and beating the Lakers, and that's just that's just what it is. Like they don't know basketball. If you think Portland Trailblazers and their 135 point per game giving up selves got a chance against LeBron in AD, they they just don't. They just don't. I think AD. I think out of all people. Anthony Davis is going to be a guy on a mission during these playoffs. Anthony Davis, see, the thing about LeBron, whether he wins or loses against the Clippers or if he makes it to the finals and loses, say, to the Bucks or whatever, like, his legacy is pretty much set. You Not either think college. LeBron's the best, you think he's the best, or he's behind Jordan. It's pretty much set, man. Like, I mean, it just is what it is. Anthony Davis is the guy because the thing is, if the Lakers lose, I hate to say it, they're not going to blame LeBron. They're going to blame Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis ain't never won nothing. So when yeah. you ain't never won nothing, you the guy that's going to take the fall. You the guy that's going to take the blame. So if the Lakers lose no matter what round, Anthony Davis is going to guy that's going to bear the, you know, bear all the harsh criticism. And so that's why I think he is going to be a guy on a mission in these playoffs to prove to people that he is one of the best players, top five, top three, top whatever, best players in the league and I think he's got he's got he's gonna have a chance to prove it in these playoffs well well Jeff the biggest thing is there's no in hell they're gonna be able to stop Anthony Davis and LeBron so like you said if they giving up 130 a night they damn they're gonna give up 200 messing with them so like, <laughs> and I think LA like we talked about it previously on a, a other podcast like LA is you know they were kind of in that like necessarily slump to say the least you know losing some games and kind of finding that that tune. But like I said, I guarantee you the Lakers are going to be ready. Like they've seen, you know, how the Clippers have been attested. They've seen how other teams in the Western Conference have been attested. And by this one by this one game, you can tell if the Lakers mean business. Well, let's say they go out there and beat 
Portland by 25. That means they didn't come to bull crap. You know, that means they're yeah, like, yeah. Hey, we're going to get this done in four. Like, we love you, Dane, but this is going down. This is getting done in four. You know, so yeah. that's, 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 one of the la- that's one of the last things I wanted to kind of talk about because that is the last game on, um, you know, later this, you know, this evening. So I just think that the, uh, the Lakers, they, the series is interesting, but I don't think it's going to be as interesting as people think. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I mean, if you like points, there'll probably be a bunch of points scored, but it won't be as competitive as a lot of folks think it's going to be. Like, I, I don't see that happening at all. Yeah, so y'all got – man, make sure y'all check out all of today's games um, because, like I said, if you ain't got else, if you ain't got nothing else to do, might as well cut the TV on and catch up and see if your team's even going to be even – make any noise, <laughs> whatever it may be. So, but, you know, Jeff, let's go ahead and transition to the NFL, man. The NFL – uh, three weeks away, you know, three weeks away, Woo! September 10th, opening night, you know. Um, and, Jeff, there's a lot of, lot of, lot of things going on within the NFL. But the biggest thing, which I want to kind of highlight, is, you know, the biggest news coming out of the NFL, which, which broke yesterday, was the Washington football team, you know, announcing their first black ever, you know, NFL, you know, team president, you know, Jason Wright. Jeff, that, that's a big deal, you know. Huge. It's a huge, huge deal, and huge. not only not only they are the is Washington kind of Washington's team necessarily making moves. I mean, Alex Smith is starting to come back, so Washington is kind of like a team that's kind of like making a lot of noise despite what they've been having going on. Like, is this kind of all for show, or do you think that this move for Jason Wright was just at perfect timing? Like, what are your thoughts about that? Um, so the Jason Wright thing, what's so crazy about that is because Washington, like you said, has made a lot of headlines recently, good or bad. And most of it's been bad, right? It's the fact that their name was right. the Redskins for almost 90 years. And, and they fought to the bitter end to keep that name is bad, right? The, the scandal that took place with the cheerleaders or the, you know, the members of the ladies on the staff, the ladies that work in football, the ladies that work in sports, and all the bad press, 15 ladies come up and saying that they've been sexually harassed at work. More bad news. So this is the first time that Washington is getting some good press. The, the last couple days, they've gotten some good press, whether it was the Alex Smith being cleared for football activities, and now the Jason Wright uh, hiring as team president, the first black African-American uh, NFL president, you know, president of an NFL organization. So this is huge. Uh, this is really big. And, and I, I'm, I'm glad to see that Washington – is finally starting to do something right. Like for yeah. years, they've always been mess ups. Dan Snyder and the, his Washington organization has been uh, the the ugly stepchild of the NFL, right? Like they've yeah, always seemed to mess stuff up since he's been the owner. Like the last what 20, 25 years, they haven't seemed to get, been get anything right. Whether it was bad free agent signings, obviously keeping the terrible name, and bad hires a coach, uh, but just bad, a lot of bad, bad, bad. And now there's they're they're moving what seems to be in the right direction. I love this hire. I don't even know much about the guy that they just hired, but I love the fact that a black man is getting an opportunity at this level, at this organization, at this level. And I hope that he can open doors for other black men to get similar opportunities at the NFL level. And and, I, and now I want to be a, a, a Washington fan, right? I want to root for their success because if, he, if they succeed, then that means he succeeds. And that means other uh, owners will give the similar opportunities to other black men uh, at their organizations as well. 
like because it's been it's been a problem in the NFL, like you know, minority representation and higher ownership. So this could be the change. And Jeff, this can honestly inspire young, you know, black men that are going into, you know, the sports marketing field and want to be GMs. Like this could give hope. This could give really, really, really good hope. So we'll have yeah. to keep a close eye on that. But as we stay in the NFL, um, other headlines surrounding um, the NFL. Uh, Des Bryant apparently is going to be working out for the uh, the Ravens. That is a interesting. Uh, t- that's an interesting thing right there. I've saw Des on Instagram uh, live doing some drills, and he looks like he still he looked like he still got it. I mean, is that another weapon that Lamar could use, or do you think that'd be a waste of uh, talent? So Des Bryant, if there is a player that epitomizes the Baltimore Ravens, to me, it's a Des Bryant. Like, Des Bryant is a guy that's been out of the league for a couple years now that honestly has nothing else to lose. He is going to be a guy that's going to come into that locker room and play his heart out. One thing about Des Bryant, he wasn't always the most talented. He wasn't always the fastest. He didn't always jump the highest. But he is someone that worked extremely hard when he played for Dallas. Like, that was the other thing about Des. He was a, a super highly talented receiver, but yeah. he worked. There were receivers that were more talented, but he worked so hard, and he fought for every yard. He fought for every possession. He fought during every play. Des, there was never a thing about Des being lazy, that's for sure. And so I think bringing him being ingratiated to that that team of the Baltimore Ravens, a team that's led by Lamar Jackson that still has these doubters, Mark. They still doubt <laughs> Lamar. It don't matter. Unanimous MVP, uh, you know, winning all these games. He has, like, I think he's, like, a 22 and, like, five as a starter. Like, but there's still these doubters that don't think he can get it done. And so that team, the Baltimore Ravens, is full of players like that. It's not just Lamar. There's Earl Thomas that feels like he's being hated on. Mark Ingram feels like, you know, feel like he was quit on by the Saints. He's a dog. Uh, Marcus Peters feels like he was quit on. And now you, and Lamar, obviously, and now you add Dez, who feels like the league quit on him. The league tried to cast him to the shadows and ban him from the league. He felt like he was being blackballed because he was talented enough to still be in the NFL. And so adding him to the Ravens locker room would be amazing. I'd love to see it, and I hope it happens. I hope they sign <laughs> Dez Bryant. Can I keep it real with you, Jeff? Can I keep it real? Go with for you, it. Man? Go for it, man. That's Des what we Bryant do. There's Brian to the Ravens is gonna be some scary, scary, scary stuff. Like I just, I just gotta admit it. He's one of those players. He kind of, you know, he's, he kind of, he kind of gives me, you know, Steve Smith Jr. vibes. You know, he's kind of like yeah. that, that hard type of like, hey, hey, young, young, hey, young buck. Like you need to get your, you need to get shit together. Yeah. You know, like type <laughs> of deal. And adding that to like the AFC, which is kind of open up in the air, you know, like if you look over at Mahomes, right? Mahomes has different type of weapons, you know, he's got Tyreek Hill. He's got Kelsey who just already said he'll be there for another six years. So like he has yeah, his, he's got his extension. So you throw some other pieces that are hungry, man, Harbaugh knows what he's doing. Harbaugh knows yeah. what he's doing. It's just that fitting, finding a player like Des Bryant, who, like I said, is in awesome shape. Like I've seen him running with, you know, uh, some college athletes and stuff like that on his Instagram. So he's in a he's in a really good shape. But I think that the, the key to it is just adding that, you know, that finesse to the locker room, adding that tenacity, that go-getter type of attitude to those younger players and to those even seasoned players. Like, he brings new life to the Ravens. And that's going to make them 
scary as hell, you know? So like, you can't, you yeah. can't even, and definitely with, a, with already, you got talent like Lamar Jackson, like he's already going to beat you with his feet. So if you commit to your feet, there's a give you down the, you throw a quick slant to Dez or uh, who else? They, they got agent. So you, they got all types. Hollywood Brown. Hollywood, they got Hollywood, Hollywood Brown. Brown. Mark Ingram. J.K. Dobson. Dog, like, they've like, got a plethora of players on J, the offensive J.K. Dobson, yes, exactly. I didn't, I forgot about yeah. him. So, like, they – Yeah, they drafted him in the second round, man. I think – I think I really think that if, if they go through with this Deb, Des Bryant's pick, like, and if everything – if he passed the physical and stuff like that, the Ravens are setting themselves it's, – it's a chess match against the Chiefs. You know, they're saying, hey – well, we know that yeah. you got you got Kelsey, we got Brian, we got in company, so we'll find ways. We'll we're gonna adjust for Lamar. Like if Lamar if Lamar has to pass it, he'll pass it because, like you said, a lot of critics say, "Well, can he be able to do it this year? Is he gonna be able to just strictly run? Is he gonna be able to pass?" But if you get him an option, to man, oh man, as a Steelers fan. I just I'm think, worried about that. Yeah, yeah I'm worried about that. Jeff. I'm worried. I can't. But I have to keep it real though, because that's just it's just it's a smart strategic move by Harbaugh because he goes after players like that who who like who have a chip on their shoulder, you know. So Dez yeah, chip on their shoulder and everything to prove. They have every, like Dez literally has nothing to lose and everything to prove. That, like I said, the man's been out of the league and felt like he was blackballed from the league. He felt like he still had enough talent and was good enough to be playing NFL football. And I believe him. I do think. Now, do I think he's going to be the Dez of 2014, where I think he had like 15 touchdown catches? I don't know. I don't think he's going to be My that hell. guy. But I, <laughs> but I think he is going to be a solid contributor underneath while Hollywood Brown takes you over the top. And they have Mark Andrews as the tight end. And then their their beast in the backfield, Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins, to take the load off Lamar in the backfield. I mean, they have a squad in Baltimore. And I hope they add Dez Bryant to this squad and continue and make things roll and make some noise in the playoffs. See, that's the thing about the Ravens. They're not, they're not setting themselves up to be a great regular season team. They're trying to set themselves up to where they are a good or to great regular season team but our great playoff team can make deep runs in the playoffs because they've won, you know, a bunch of games with Lamar in the regular season. They've had uh, the number one seeds locked up and won MVPs and won all these awards, but they're getting booted from the playoffs early. And yeah. so now they're like, man, I ain't trying to go home early now. You know, I'm trying to win playoff games and win a Super Bowl. And that is Super Bowl or bust for them. And that's how they're setting themselves up to be that, kind, that type of team in 2020. And definitely if they can get him for a low price. They get this for a low price. Are they going to get him cheap? He's playing the league in years. He's yeah, exactly. So they'll, they'll, they'll get him for dirt cheap. So, like I said, three weeks away. But, you know, who's kicking it off? We got the Chiefs versus Texans um, September 10th, uh, kicking it off Thursday night football. But, Jeff, we talked about this before. I said, will there be fans in the building? Will there be fans in attendance? What will the NFL season actually look like? Is it still up in the air? But the Chiefs. Have came out and said that they will uh, they were uh, they will actually perform at twenty two percent capacity. Do you think other teams are going to follow suit? Like, do you think the Chiefs are actually like? Is this kind? Of, what is your thoughts on that? Because I think that the Chiefs are kind of like, well, we need our fans to kind of like keep Mahomes going. Well, it's the fact that you want a Super Bowl and you want to kind of. Even though there's a global pandemic going on, that's the main. That's the reason why there's no fans for nobody else for the most right. part. But for the defending Super Bowl champions, you want 
your team or your fans to be able to somewhat, in some capacity, be able to indulge in the team after the Super Bowl or be a part of the next run for another Super Bowl, back-to-back. To to that that way some somebody in Kansas City can say, hey, I was in the stands on week whatever on the year, if possible, if the year that we won back-to-back, right, or we did yeah. whatever, you know, the year after we won the Super Bowl. So – what do I think? I think most NFL teams will do what the Chiefs are doing. They will bl- limit their fan capacity in some, you know, in some form, but they're going to try to have people in the stands. Now, teams like the Eagles have already come out and said, no fans, not at all. It ain't happening. But I think for the most part, a lot of the NFL teams will try to take the model that the Chiefs will, whether it's operating at, you know, 20, 22, 30, 33% capacity, to try to have some kind of fan base in the stands this fall. Yeah, so, I mean, that is one of those things where we're getting new reports every day, every hour, like, hell, it might be, you know, the state guidelines might say, hey, you can't have these many people in the stand. You know, we just don't know what route our country is going, so we'll definitely have to see about that. So make sure you guys stay on tune. We'll, we'll definitely keep you updated. Jeff, now this next topic, I'm going to let you kind of leeway into this because this is something that is really, really, really big. And we talked about it last week. Yeah. We want to play. What has been going on, Jeff? So the we want to play has kind of evolved. We have a one, one player kind of taking, you know, spearheading a campaign of trying to get the Big Ten to play football this fall, and that's Justin Fields. So Justin Fields is the, you know, highly regarded quarterback at The Ohio State University. And this man is, you know, is pretty – you know, determined on not playing football in the spring, but to have a football season this fall. And it makes perfect sense because Ohio State may have their best team in half a decade. And Justin Fields is the best quarterback to come to Ohio State maybe ever. You know, he'll probably be the presumed top three pick in the NFL draft. So he knows that the if there's going to be a college football playoff and a college football champion, it's going to be crowned this fall, like or in January. Be based off what takes place this fall. He knows there won't be – he won't be playing football in the spring. He'll be getting ready for, you know, to play for the Jaguars next year. You know what I mean? Like some team in the NFL. He's not going to be worried about Ohio State by, the, you know, January or February. So he has started that petition that now has garnered over 200,000 signatures to get the Big Ten to reverse their decision and to allow their schools to play football this fall. And his biggest, because he did a media tour, and his biggest reasoning on starting this petition on why he wants to play is not just because he's the one of the best players in, the, in college football. We know that. It's because he believes that he is in a safer environment playing at Ohio State in the football facility with the football players in the football environment than he would be at home or at school or in class. And, and in a lot of ways, that is the same thing that doctors and coaches and players for the three or every other conference that has uh, decided to play, the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12, has said as well. They said the same thing. Like, our guys are safer with us because guess what? We're getting tested daily and regularly, and we're making sure that only people that they are in contact while they're here playing football are people that are tested negative so they can't spread the virus. But when you go to class, and when you go to parties, and when you're hanging out with other college students, guess what they're not doing? They're not getting tested daily or regularly. And they are more, you know, more likely 
to spread the virus than the football players that are that are already positive uh, negative and that continue to test negative. So I will I I, I I fully support. I see why I see why the movement is you know hashtag we want to play because these athletes, some of these athletes don't have a future outside of football. And I'm just period yeah, point blank. Yeah. Some of these athletes they rely like on you know playing football to possibly get looked at to go to the NFL. So hashtag we want to play is definitely a movement that is you know Justin Fields he. He did it out of, you know, his heart because if he really was, oh, I'm just trying to go to the league, I don't think he would have started it. He would have just been like, no. well, hey, I've been I'm, – I'm declaring I'm out. I'm, like I said, I'm top three draft pick. So he's really yeah. – what, 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 what really makes me kind of like – what really makes me kind of say, say like, you know what, this is joy. This is joy coming out of this because he's speaking for other athletes that can't speak. Everybody else. Everybody mm-hmm. else. So, like, it's bigger than Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's speaking from the whole Big Ten. Like, I mean, it's all over Twitter where athletes with only 100 followers, but they playing at these Big Ten schools, are saying, like, damn, we want to play. Like, how is it safe for us to go into a lecture hall with over 300 folks, you know, but we can't play on the field with 100 people from our brothers. That are negative. That are negative. That, that are, are negative. negative. That are negative. Exactly. So, Jeff, like – I'm really looking at it like salute to Justin Fields, like real talk, like you are showing your true character, and I and I respect that. Now, do I think it's going to help? It might help, <laughs> but it's not though because they already said this. It's kind of like yeah, yeah, you you showing your character, man. Like maybe that's going to show a team in the NFL, like oh this man, yeah, he's gonna, it's going to be good, good for him. Yeah, it's going to be good for him, but it's not going to change the Big Ten's decision. But it's a good resume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't need. Yeah. But it's not it's not going to change the Big Ten's decision. And the reason why just it, it's so important, I think, for especially – I mean, even when we're talking about the concept of the NFL draft, think about the last three. Oh, first, number one overall yeah. picks. It was Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and, and Joe Burrow. Think yeah. about how big their last season was in college before they declared for the draft. Joe Burrow, if if he wasn't able to play his fifth year, senior year, he would have been a fifth. He would have been a fifth round to seventh round pick. If Kyler Murray wouldn't have been able to play, like if they would have canceled football that year, he'd probably be playing baseball right now. You know what I mean? Because he only started one year, and he was the tenth, the ninth overall pick in the MLB draft. He'd probably be playing baseball right now and not have a Heisman Trophy and playing for an NFL team. And if Baker Mayfield wasn't able to play that last year, he wouldn't have probably been, be a B-Dubs right now working. He would have been like a second or third round pick. He wouldn't have been number one overall. That's how important one season of college football is for anybody. Like, that's for everybody. It's not just for the – like, I'm just using those guys because they were able to catapult themselves to the first pick in the entire draft, right? Like, that that is how important just one season of football is. And the fact that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have taken it away from these guys, it's just so unfortunate, man. It's super unfortunate because we we have literally watched the first overall pick. Now it won't be that way this year because Trevor Lawrence is gonna be the first overall pick. Ain't nobody jumping him for the you know. <laughs> Ain't nobody we'd have to see a guy move. That's, that's paid Manning right Trevor there, Lawrence. boy. That's paid Manning. Yeah, yeah. Ain't nobody jumping. <laughs> Ain't nobody jumping Trevor Lawrence, but it's, but uh, some there is a lot of guys that would catapult themselves 
from the sixth round right now to the first round because we see it every year. We literally saw it the last three years with the number one overall pick. Guys catapulting themselves with just one year of college football. And that is so unfortunate that the the players from the Big Ten and the Pac-12 won't be able to do that. At all, man. And, like, but so you do you feel like that the SEC, you know, and the ACC are going to just – they going to stick to their guns or you just think that – yeah. They, they're going to stick to their guns and they're going to continue to play. So, uh, if, yeah. so do you feel like that they're going to like regret that decision or do you feel like it's one of those where like, hell, I mean, hell, the whole world's already crumbling. So we might as well crumble with it. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, man. If, if they play football, I'm still not sure if it'll be able to finish simply because there's a lot going on, but if they're able to play football and finish, I think they'll have their best ratings ever simply because they won't be fighting with Big Ten schools on Fox. They won't be fighting with Pac-12 schools. Well, nobody watches Pac-12 football anyway. But beside the point, right. I think the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 will have their best ratings ever if they play because guess what? People are dying for football. Like, they are cra- – like, the NBA and the NBA bubble is cool, but football in America is king. It's, it's like, there's a reason. And the NBA right now is enjoying their best ratings ever. Because people have been cooped up for four months, four or five months. And football is king in America. Baseball, in their bubble, having their best ratings ever, right? Like, they're having their best ratings ever. So, once this football start, season starts, whether the teams kneel or not, it is going to be the highest rated NFL season. It's going to be the highest rated uh, college football season. And I think it's going to be rival some of the best years in NFL and college football as far as ratings and viewers go ever. It's going to be up there, and I promise you that. And no matter without, – even without Ohio State in the Big Ten. So, okay, so you mentioned – you don't mention high ratings. Do you think this is an opportunity for, you know, uh, some colleges to allow uh, different athletes to put the social injustice uh, – wording on the back of their uh, jerseys and stuff. Do you think that there's going to be happening in the, uh, college football, or do you think that's just at a higher level where you will see that happen? I don't think they'll have the social justice messages. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if we saw uh, patches on helmets or maybe patches on jerseys, some sort of uh, form of unity, some sort of, some sort of, hey, we're with our players. Because the world is changing, man. Like, people are starting to wake up and see what's taking place to black and brown people across this country, and it's not right, right? So I think that we will see teams that wear patches or that on jerseys or helmets, stickers on helmet, patches on jerseys, to, to show that, hey, we are with – you know, they might not align themselves with, what quote, unquote, the Black Lives Matter movement, but they will come out together and say, hey, we care about – uh, you know, we care about our black and brown brothers on our team, and we care about our black and brown brothers and sisters around the world, you know, in our country and around the world. And so I think that'll definitely – that's definitely something we could see uh, from a few college programs taking place this fall. Without doubt, Jeff. I 100% I 100% agree with you because I definitely think there's going to be some type of message that's going to be done, whether it's a patch, whether it's possibly nailing. Something – some big message is going to be happening. ACC – SEC, um, Big 12, like like you said, no Big 10 apparently as of right now. We we don't know how that's going to happen, but Big 10 already said it ain't happening. So we'll definitely have to see. Uh, you guys have to continue to follow us on, you know, social media and stuff like that. Jeff, what's your socials? Uh, at JLIGHT7, at J-L-I-G-H-T-S-Y, and the number seven, all, you know, all on all social media, Facebook, 
Twitter and Instagram. And you can catch me right here, M Webster sixty eight. We've got some. Yeah, it, it's it's up from here. It's up from here. But make sure you guys like, subscribe, uh, all that good stuff, man. Anything else you want to add, Jeff? No, that's all I got for today. Another great episode, man. Man, y'all stay tuned.